the farmer has no peace. His wife is constantly needling him. She's a nag. Boy, she insults him. She denigrates him. This poor farmer has no peace. And he's out in the field one day plowing the land with his mule, pulling the plow, and the wife can't let him get away. She goes out there and starts giving him the business again. Has no peace. This poor guy has no peace. Well, something terrible happens. The mule kicks and kicks the woman, and it's the very worst. I mean, she dies. The, the mule kick kills her. So they're at the funeral, and the farmer's there receiving the guests, and people come up and say things to him, and he closes his eyes, and he kind of nods, and a man will come up and say something, and he'll close his eyes and nod. A woman will come up, and this goes on, and the funeral director at the end says, you know, I've been doing this a long time. I've never seen anything like that. I've got to know what these people were saying to you, and the farmer says, well, the women would come up and say how, how beautiful she looks, the dress that she's in, and I would close my eyes and nod, and the funeral director said, well, what were the men saying? And the farmer said, they were asking if they could borrow the mule. <laughs> he didn't have any peace. See, that's the point. So as Pastor Tim uh, said, and as he read from Galatians 5, we're in this sermon series called Cultivate. The fruits of the Spirit. Fruit needs to be cultivated, right? It needs to be pruned back. It needs to be nurtured. It needs to be watered. And the fruits are love, joy, and peace patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. As we mentioned last week, in many places in the Bible, these things, these virtues are spoken of or written of as being gifts. They're just given to us. So in those contexts, we treat them as gifts. But in this context, they're spoken of as fruits, things that need to be cultivated, nurtured, watered, pruned back, things that we can't just leave alone. So today we're talking about the virtue of peace or the fruit of peace and how is it that we can cultivate peace in our lives. I'm sure it's something you want. I know it's something I want. I think it's something the world wants. And we'll jump off in the Old Testament. Interesting, from the book of Psalms in the 34th chapter, this is great. Whoever loves life and desires many good days, here's what you ought to do. Keep your tongue from evil, your lips from telling lies, turn from evil and do good, and then that last part is for us this morning. Seek peace. Pursue it. Go get it. Go nurture it. Don't let it just be given to you, although, like I said, in some context in the Bible, it is just given to us. But seek it. Pursue it. Go after it. Friends, this is God's word for us this morning. <clears throat> Let's come together in prayer. Father, the world needs peace. I want peace. We all want peace. No one wants to be anxious. No one wants to be torn up inside. We want to have an inner restfulness. So help us to learn from the Prince of Peace. Help us learn what it means to pursue peace, to cultivate it, to have it in our lives. What can we do to have a more peaceful life? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. My Lord, my rock, and my redeemer. We pray it in Jesus' name and for his glory. And together we all say, amen. Before we talk about how to cultivate peace, let's make a couple distinctions. First of all, the idea of peace with God. Peace with God. We're starting here because we know by nature we don't have peace with God. We're actually on the other side. We're not on his team. We're not in his family. The Bible calls us enemies of God because of our sin, because of the separation we have from God and his righteousness because of sin. But praise be to God that Jesus took that away. He overcame that. He is our champion. He is our hero. He brings us into the family of God by taking our sin onto himself and removing the punishment that we owe to God because of sin and absorbing it himself. Romans 5.1, since we've been justified or made right with or brought into the family of God by faith, we have what? We have peace with God through Jesus Christ, the one who did 
all of this. Again, this idea of not having peace with God. We're not naturally at peace with God. We're in big trouble. We owe him our lives and our eternity away from him. And the Bible talks about that in pretty rough language. But Jesus did it. He brought us back. That's why we're Christians. That's why we're followers and learners of Jesus, because of what he's done for us. He brings us back into righteous faithfulness, uh, a fellowship with God, and now we have peace with God. And because we have peace with God, we now have the peace of God. Because we are brought into his family, we now benefit from everything that he has. And one of those things is a, a peace. It's an inward kind of peace. See, we used to be on opposing teams, but now we're on the same team, and we have access to the playbook, and part of the playbook is peace. Here, you can have it. 2 Thessalonians 3.16, now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way, in all circumstances, because now you're in the family. Uh, One way to talk about it is to be in two separate armies. You you know, we're not in the army of God naturally. We're We're fighting against him, and he's warring against us, but somehow miraculously, think of a soldier being now transferred into that army, so now you're at peace with that army and its leaders, but you also have the full benefits of what it means to be in that army. You get paid, and you get the food, and the uniform, and all, and that's us. We were on the other side, but now we're in peace with God and peace of God. God wants us to have peace. The word peace is mentioned 400 times in the Bible. Jesus appears to the 11 after the resurrection. The first thing he says is, peace be with you. He appears later, Thomas is there. Again, he says, first words, peace be with you. Pastor Tim will bless you at the end of the service with words that go like this, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. God wants you to have peace, peace with God and peace from God. So now let's talk about how it is that we can cultivate this peace. Well, first of all, ask God for peace. The Bible's pretty clear. You want peace in your life? Ask for it. Philippians 4, 6 and 7. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, there's your key word, let your requests. Ask God for it. Be made known to God. And then look what happens. And the peace of God. A supernatural peace, a peace the world doesn't understand. It surpasses human understanding. This peace will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Many of you are familiar with the uh, devotion, Our Daily Bread. A woman writes, we were excited about moving for my husband's job, but the unknowns and challenges left me feeling anxious. Thoughts of sorting up and packing my belongings, looking for a new place to live, me finding a new job, making my way around a new city, getting settled. It all was very unsettling, she writes. As I thought about my to-do list, the words of Paul In Philippians 4, echoed in my mind that I should pray for peace. She goes on, if anyone could have been anxious about the unknowns and challenges of life, it could have been Paul, shipwrecked, beaten, jailed, threatened. But in his letter to the Philippian church, he encouraged his friends who were also facing the unknowns of life. He told them not to be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. So if we're talking about praying for peace, I think we ought to pray for peace. Let's pray. Jesus, we ask for you to give us peace in our minds, in our bodies, in our souls, in our hearts, in our spirits. Lord, would you heal and remove that which causes stress and grief and sorrow in our lives? Guide our paths through life. Make even our enemies to be at peace with us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Another way to cultivate peace in your life is to take authority over your mind. 
take authority over your mind. This might be a new thought for some people. We'll talk a lot about this in two weeks when we talk about the fruit of self-discipline. You have the authority, you have the ability to control what you think about. I would say that random thoughts do kind of pop into your head. But what do you do with them? Do you dry them out or do you let them linger? Do you chew on them? Do you uh, work yourself up into an anxiety, into a nervousness? You actually have authority to take control over those and think about godly things instead. Philippians 4.8, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's anything excellent, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. When an anxious thought comes into your head, drive it out with a reminder that God is with you. When you become fearful, let your mind be overtaken by thoughts of God's promises that with him there is peace. When peace seems like the farthest thing from your mind, take control of your thoughts. Think about the things in this passage, things that are true and honorable and just and pure and lovely, commendable, excellent, worthy of praise. Maybe this Philippians 4, 8 passage is one that you write out on a card or print out on your printer and you, you, you tape it to the mirror in your bathroom. First thing you see in the morning to remind you of what you ought to be thinking about. Maybe it goes on the refrigerator with a magnet. Maybe it's one that you memorize. I wrestle with this like everybody else. I have thoughts come into my mind, sinful thoughts, tempting thoughts, worrisome thoughts. I, I do my best. I'm not great at it, but I drive them out. I, my go-to is just to pray for people that I know need prayer. If the thought of temptation or sin or worry comes in, I drive it out. I immediately start praying for people in my life that I know have need. Maybe that's something you could exercise too. Maybe this is where Bible memorization comes in. Maybe you've memorized some verses and maybe they don't even really have to do anything with what is in your mind right now, but you just want to go over them again in your mind. Oh yeah, the Bible says this about this. Distract yourself. Drive those thoughts out. Take authority over your mind. Another way to cultivate peace in your life is to let Jesus be your treasure. Um, culture is really good at reminding us that there's other things to treasure, but God says, treasure my son, Jesus. Let him be all that you really want. Let him be <clears throat> all that you find valuable. <clears throat> when that's the case, the little things that don't go right in your life don't really matter. There's nothing to worry about. Colossians 3, let the peace of Christ, and the key word here is rule. <clears throat> let that have authority. Let that be the treasure. Let that have the value in your life. Since as members of one body, you were called to what? Peace. There's our word. And be thankful. Let the uh, message of Christ dwell in you richly. Let Jesus be your treasure. In other words, all that you really want. And this is a curious thought, isn't it? Because like I said, the world makes us want possessions. And, and there's other good things, relationships, <clears throat> health. But our ultimate treasure has to be in Christ or else we'll worry about things. I'm not really a guy who like has a theme for a year. Maybe you are, and that's good. Some people like January 1st, this will be the year of health or this will be the year of self-esteem or you know those kinds of things. And that's good. I'm not really that guy. But last year, I was so impressed with a phrase from a pastor I think is in Minnesota that I kind of made it my theme for the year. And I, I'm letting it creep over to 23 too because I like it so much. And it's simple. To be so satisfied with Jesus that he's all I treasure to be so satisfied with Jesus that he is all I treasure. And I think about this, I'm caught in traffic and I'm frustrated, but I don't wanna be satisfied with the fact that traffic is going well or I'm gonna to get to my destination on time. I wanna be satisfied in Christ. When I'm watching a sports event and my team doesn't win, it bothers me, I'm that guy. I gotta drive that out. That's not what satisfies me anymore. Jesus satisfies me and because of that, he is all that I treasure.
You see what we're working toward here. When, you're, when you think you need to be satisfied with the things of the world, there, there might be worry. There might be no peace. Because those will go wrong. But even when those go wrong, if you are completely satisfied in Christ, he will be all that you treasure. Jesus tells a short parable, two sentences in Matthew 13. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure. A tre- think about a treasure being buried in the ground in a field. A guy finds it. He hides it again. He buries it up. And then with great joy, there's our key, with great joy. He's ecstatic because he understands what he's found. He sells everything he has and he buys that field. He gives up everything that he is to have that treasure. Friends, when we do that, when we give up everything that we are for Christ, we have peace because he is our all in all. He promises to be with us. Even when life has its ups and downs, we know that we have Christ. He is completely satisfying. He is all that we treasure. Been working on this one for months now, and I'm still kind of figuring that out. How can I be so satisfied with Christ in every area of my life that he is my complete treasure? Well, maybe another way to cultivate peace in your life is to live in the present. Understand today its needs and that God will fulfill those needs. Matthew 6, 34. Don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Understand that God's got you today. Carrying tomorrow's burdens doubles today's load. Carrying tomorrow's burdens doubles today's load. In a few minutes, we'll pray, give us this day our daily bread. Why would we pray for daily bread? Why wouldn't we pray for a week's worth or a month or like a year's worth? God, give us blessing for a year. It's because God wants us to trust him and not the storehouse of blessings that we may have uh, stored up. God wants to bless us and that's good, but don't trust in your blessings. Trust in him, the daily provider, the one that knows what you need today. Now, certainly the Bible talks about thinking about things in the past. Remember God's victories. In some places, it even says build monuments to God's victories so the children in the next generations can see them. And certainly the Bible thinks, talks about thinking about the future. Uh, a new heaven and a new earth will come down and, and what it's going to be like. So I'm not talking about not thinking about those things, but in the context of peace. Think about today. Just allow today's concerns be your concerns, and tomorrow will take care of itself. Well, finally, as we think about this idea of cultivating peace, understand the whole story. And what I mean by this is your whole existence. You will spend 60 or 85 or 103 years here, and that seems to be what consumes us. But that's a small sliver of who we are and the life that we have, who we'll be with and what it will be like and what it will be like to be in eternity Isaiah 57, 1 and 2, the righteous perish. That means that good people die. No one seems to take it to heart. The devout are taken away. They, they die too. No one understands that the righteous are taken to be spared from evil. Those who walk uprightly, look at here, enter into peace. That's what we're talking about. And they find rest as they lie in death. In other words, Jesus has taken this death that all of us are afraid of, and he's flipped it over, and he says, actually, there's victory in that. We sang that in the second song, that, that God has flipped death from something to be feared to something to be actually looked forward to. We ought to live in this life and enjoy it and be a blessing and live for Christ, but we get to enter into this forever with God. And the Bible describes it as being wonderful without any aggravation, no sin. Let that drive you to peace.
Let that cultivate your peace. The fact that even though this life is bumpy and garbage happens and it's sorrowful, and I don't want to dismiss that as being not real, it's a small thing that we'll go through until we're in forever with God. Um, Because of point number one, we have point number two. For those of you who are taking notes, what is point number one? Peace with God. We have peace with God, and so now we have the peace of God, meaning that he is taking care of us in this life and forever. Paul says in 2 Corinthians, our light and momentary troubles. That's what he calls the garbage of life. Light and momentary are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs all of them. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary and what is unseen is eternal. I don't have an attribution for this quote, so we'll call them unknown author, but I was reading this week. Peace with God brings the peace of God. It is peace that settles our nerves, fills our minds, floods our spirits, and in the midst of the uproar around us, gives us the assurance that everything is all right. One author says to visualize it like a ledger. Some of you who are accountant types know ledgers, right? On one side, you put your assets, and one side, you put your debts. One side's the good side, one side's the bad side. Think of it like a ledger. All the garbage of life, the terrible stuff that happens is on one side. And all of God's blessing, and especially the eternal blessing that we look forward to, is on the other side. And what Paul is saying is that you can't compare the side with the garbage on it. Yeah, it's there. It counts. But it's little compared to the side that has all the good stuff on it. Cultivate your peace by understanding the whole story. Paul speaks to this directly. I consider that our present sufferings are not worthy of comparing with the glory that is revealed in us. So let's talk about some next steps, some things to pray about this week, some things to think about. First of all, contemplate. Maybe I should have said behold. We just wrapped up that sermon series. Behold, contemplate, think about the peace that God gives you. Peace with God and peace from God because of what Jesus has done. Secondly, pray about this idea of being so satisfied with Jesus that he is all that you treasure. God, what does that mean? How how am I supposed to be so satisfied that I really don't want to find satisfaction in anything else and let Jesus become all that you treasure? And number three, rest. That's what peace is, right? Rest in the promise that we have ultimate victory in Christ, that the 70 or 90 years that we have, it could be filled with bumpy times and rough, rough sorrow. <clears throat> but our eternity, our forever with God is something that the mind can't even grasp. It's so wonderful. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we all want peace. <clears throat> Some places in the Bible, we're told it's simply a gift. Other places, that it needs to be cultivated, to be grown. So help us this morning. Help us in the days to come to rest in you to set our minds on you, to treasure all that we have in you, to trust you for our daily needs, and have your divine peace. We pray this in Jesus' name, Lord, and together we all say, amen.